I get the privilege of bringing the word today. I know you are all very excited. Just reiterate, we are not a cult. We do meet in the house. I know we have the overflow room in our kitchen. Praise God. Uh, we are we are looking for a space. We have just uh, had tremendous obstacles um, and ventures as we've uh, tried to embark on this endeavor. We're believing the Lord, but it hasn't been easy. Uh, but if you could make it a matter of prayer for us, we really are feeling the squeeze of just having to get up out of this place uh, for Sundays at least. And um, just pray that we would uh, have uh, the Lord's favor, that He'd go before us, and He obviously, as He is now, keeping every door shut that we're not supposed to walk through, praise <laughs> God, but He would open doors of which we cannot open ourselves. Amen. We're going to be bringing the word out of Romans 12, and you're all going to be happy because we're only going to really focus on two verses, memorial, hallelujah. <clears throat> First day of sun, man. oh my goodness, I was sitting in my house interceding, I'm going to open the clouds, please, before I get crazy, steer crazy. Anyways, let's pray as we go into the word, Father, Lord, I just ask God for these people, Lord, that they would be fed today, Lord, not from my understanding or my wisdom, but from yours, God, I ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in our midst, God, as I empty myself of myself, Lord, and I ask, God, I am nothing without your spirit upon my life, God, I'm not interested, I'm not in any way appealing, God, but the only thing that's appealing is your spirit, and God, that's what we've come to hear from today. So we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us in Jesus' mighty name out of these passages. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, because all He has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship Him. Don't copy the behavior in the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's, that's phenomenal right there. You can preach, you can stop right there, preach right there. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, I know this is only two verses, but man, what depth there is in these two verses alone. Is there not? I love... I love this passage of Scripture. I've probably been meditating on these two verses for a little over a month now. Just constantly, uh, as well as other Scriptures, but these two Scriptures, I've kind of just put up the e-brake and said, Here I am, God, give me understanding. Not just understanding so my brain can comprehend, but almost living understanding also, that I can live these passages out. Because in Paul's words, he says, I plead with you. I, I beg of you that you would give your bodies to God. What does that look like today? Well, I think it's very simple. But I want to hopefully unpack this today in a way where we have living understanding and not just mental understanding. For me, I'm going to break this up into a bunch of different sections, but I want to start, uh, for me, the opening statements of Paul here as he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to Christ. My mind 
my heart goes immediately to the first commandment. I, I think of my whole body. I think of nothing uh, left out when Paul says, give your bodies to God. I think of my, my, my spiritual soul, my, my mind. I think of my limbs, the way I talk. I think, of, I think of everything, and there's nothing, I think, in my mind, it's a lot of things, that goes through with that, the way Jesus um, had the religious expert really answer his own question in Luke 10, chapter 25 and 28. This expert tries to set up Jesus, and he says, hey, how can I inherit eternal life? And ultimately, Jesus set him up and had him answer his own question. And the, and the way Jesus left it with him was, how do you observe, or how do, would you uh, uh, look at and study the law of Moses? And so, the religious expert uh, quotes some uh, of the law in uh, the law of Moses and says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he says, Perfect. You do this, and you'll inherit inter internal, eternal life. These words stick with me so much, and it's not necessarily with the heart or the soul or the mind, but these, state, this, these words of with all. With all. It doesn't leave any leeway, right? It doesn't leave any, even uh, room for misunderstanding what the first commandment's about. And we can say, I think, confidently that these two, with all, and your whole bodies are, your bodies are well in interconnected and the way that we surrender, or the way that we give our lives to God, or give our bodies, or love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. They're deeply connected, and in a sense, they speak the same thing to me. Matter of fact, they're cross-reference verse. You can study out Paul's, uh, I'm sorry, you can study out Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and one of the Captional verses there is Luke chapter 10, 25, the first commandment. The two speaking about nothing being left out, no room for any error in our understanding as we read these scriptures. But Jesus and Paul are saying, with all your body, with all your heart, the way you talk, what you look at, how your heart operates... It's the whole kit and caboodle. Nothing's left out. It's, it's the whole thing. Anyways, let's go on. Let me just find myself in my notes here. So in my understanding, I would say that this is exactly what Paul is talking about, where he says, give your bodies to God. Why do we give our bodies to God? Paul states later in this same verse that it's the way that we truly worship God. Let's read it just so you know I'm not lying to you. So Paul says, give your bodies, I'm starting halfway through verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Romans, give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be, living and let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. Here it is. This is truly the way we worship Him. That stands out to me as a worship leader, who has pretty much, you know, boiled down his worship to musical form. And this is not at all what Paul's saying. He's saying by us giving our bodies 
holy to God as living sacrifices. It's the way we what? Truly worship Him. So you can say, by your actions, by who you are when pastor so-and-so is not around, or sister so-and-so, or elder so-and-so is not around, you can say, by, by actually giving your bodies over to Christ, giving your bodies over to Jesus as a living and holy sacrifice, that you are worshiping God. So much today in the Christian world do we break down worship to simply some kind of musical form. And Paul, and there isn't really many scriptures that help that argument that worship has to do with music. No, it has to do with a lifestyle, how we live. I'm worshiping God when I choose to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm worshiping God when the man in front of me cuts me off and I want to throw something at his car, but instead I go to prayer Say, Lord, please forgive him. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying. Uh, I'm worshiping God when my eyes, when I'm walking down the street summertime and this scantily clad girl is running with barely nothing on and I'm keeping my eyes straight. It's true, true, right? Giving your bodies to God. I love it, Paul. And I I love that Paul disarms any sense of works-based Christianity. How does he do that? Let's read here. Let them be... I'm sorry, let me just find... Oh, okay, yes, all right. Give your bodies to God because all He has done for you. Why do we give our bodies to God? It's simple. Because what Christ, what God has done for us... Now, I don't know about you, but what fills my heart when I think about what Christ has done for me to reconnect me, to rebuild the broken bridge between man and God, my heart is filled with absolute love and awe. So Paul disarms any kind of works basis, legalism, that we do this because if you don't, then you're in trouble. God's an angry boy with a magnifying glass. He's going to fry your brains out. No. Paul says you do this from the basis of because, sorry, you do this because of what he's done for you. That's awesome. That's encouraging. That actually fuels the whole purpose and point of why we give our bodies to God as living and holy sacrifice. Because what He's done for us, and because it's the way that we truly worship Him. Amen? Amen. Okay, some of you are looking at me like I have ten heads. Uh, I only have one. That was a place for you to laugh. Maybe it wasn't that funny. (laughs) So Paul disarms any kind of legalism. He, He disarms any kind of workspace Christianity. He keeps it true. He says, yes... Give your bodies to God, yes, as living and holy sacrifices. Why? Because what He has done for you. Simple, it makes sense, it's easy gospel. Thank you, Jesus. I can give myself as a holy living sacrifice to you, God. Not just certain parts, not just certain aspects, not just certain behaviors, not just at certain times, but I can give myself to you wholeheartedly. Why? Because I am in love, Christ, with what you did for me. Is that making sense to anybody else? It helps the whole process. 
and it takes any kind of works, religion type deal out of the picture and puts love as the bedrock of what Paul is saying here. I love it. I love it. This is the way we truly worship Him. So we can confidently say by Paul's statements here, again reiterating what I said earlier, that we worship God when we choose to give Him our bodies. Day in, day out, circumstance after circumstance, situation after situation, not just parts, but our whole person. It speaks of total investment. The total investment of oneself. Uh, as saying, God, here I am. I give you my body as a living and holy sacrifice. Amen. Let's break these next two statements up. A little bit here. Romans 12.1 Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. That is loaded. That is loaded. Speaks so many things to me. So I want to break this up into two parts. I want to just focus right now on let them be a living and holy sacrifice. And then we'll get back to the kind he will find acceptable. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Living and holy sacrifices. These two subjects coexist. They're in harmony with one another. You can't have one without the, well, without the, other, without the other. If you're holy, then you're living. Amen? And there's even more to this truth that, that, that Paul is saying here. That actually, your holiness is living before man. If you study living, it's actually the deeds and the way that you conduct yourself daily. So, so let your holiness live. Let it be expressed. Let it be seen. A, a living reality of the hand of God at work in the individual. And, and, and what is that work? Sanctification, holiness. Let it be seen. Let it be living in the workplace. Let it be living in the school. Let it be living in my house. Let it be living when I talk to my neighbor about him building a fence too close to my property line. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? So it's, a, it's living. The two coexist. They, they can't be separated. The, the, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. The Spirit gives us life and ultimately forges the image of Christ inside of us, which ultimately bears the fruit of holiness in our life. Let's go to the second part. The kind he will find acceptable. Remember, we're trying to divide this into two parts. This is kind of language is a bit over the edge today, you know, because it, it ultimately says that there is types of sacrifices that the Lord does not find acceptable, does it not? You don't hear that preached today in the church, meek and mild Jesus, the lamb over his head, I just love you, I just close my eyes to this thing, praise Jesus, I didn't see that. You don't hear those statements in the church that there's actually, by this statement that Paul makes, there's a flip side to, to the kind that is acceptable. It's the kind that is not acceptable. It means that there are things of which God deems unacceptable. 
not in this life, Christ, your blood covers it all. Yes, but it's not to be trampled underfoot. We should never seek to, to uh, uh, constantly, as Hebrew says, to, to remind Christ of what he did, to constantly trod underfoot or tread underfoot or whatever the word might be, the work of the cross, and constantly by our sin remind him uh, of his sacrifice given. No, it should bear something on the inside of us. It, it, it should bear a light of holiness, a reflection of Christ in the earth. Amen? So, the statement there, again, says that there has to be something that is unacceptable, or a sacrifice, a, a way of life that is unacceptable to God. If there's something that is acceptable, then there's something that's unacceptable. Let's go to Genesis 4-6, where it all began. I'm sorry, I'm going to go to 4-1 through 6. We know the story. But I think I want to reiterate, or we look at it in the light of sacrifices. I guess, for me, this is a great image of one man's offering being accepted uh, by the Lord and another's not. And I hope to uh, bring to light on why that was, because I think sometimes we, when I say this unacceptable, acceptable thing, we think that our minds, I know for me, my mind totally goes to people who are entrenched in sin, just have no conscience, they have the name of Jesus, uh, that they, they walk around and maybe proclaim sometimes, but other than that, their life is just given over to whatever they want to do, whatever looseness, whatever lawlessness they want to do, and there's no sense by their life that Christ is alive in them. There's just the, uh, the acknowledgement in their mouth that, I'm a Christian, and I think that sometimes our, our minds go to that, but I don't, I don't want to go there at all because I, I don't really think that that's what this scripture is talking about. It's not like really talking about those people who are adamantly uh, uh, opposed to God because of their lifestyle or in their lifestyle, but yet they, they claim to be a Christian. Hopefully that makes sense. I don't even know if it makes sense to me. Now Adam had sexual relation with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said with the Lord's... I'm sorry, when she, when she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Yes, you did. Later, she gave birth to his brother and, and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some... I want you, if you have a pen, underline some. Because really... This scripture is not really clear, I don't think, for the most part, on why God was so uh, uh, belligerent or, or unwilling to accept Cain's offering. But I want you to underline just the sum of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel, now here's the difference, Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Underline the best. You have the sum, and you have the best to give us the understanding of what God accepted and what He rejected. I think that speaks those two words. The best and sum sums up why God was not accepting Cain's offering. There was obviously something in the eyes of God that Cain was withholding. What that was, we don't know. Because the scripture doesn't tell us here in Genesis 4-6. But, 
with the simple fact that the scripture says some, I can with confidence say, okay, Cain, there was something you didn't give compared to what your brother gave, which was the best. The, the firstborn of the lambs. The best firstborn. He didn't withhold. And what do you, what do you lock this? I, I, I have to really break this down to even the way my own mind thinks and even how I conduct myself as a believer, as a man of God. And, and I really feel that we withhold. Now, I'm, I'm jumping probably a little bit ahead because of fear. We withhold because ultimately we don't trust God. So here it is. Cain was a man who worked on the ground, harvest crops. Abel was a man who worked with cattle, sheep and everything. And, um, and you have somebody uh, like Abel who brings the best, the cream of the crop. Here it is. I don't know if I'm ever going to have another one of these, but here's the best of the firstborn of the lambs. God, we're going to slaughter this as a sacrifice. You know, and I kind of, for me, I'm a practical guy. I can break that down very simple. Okay, we're sitting in a church service or a conference in, in the tithes and offerings. Now, I'm not, I'm not harping on money, please. We haven't even took the offering yet, so we're not like hung up on money. But here's a clear picture. I wish I had some seats and my wife was here. But we'll be sitting down and the offering time will be coming and... and uh, you know, obviously we're getting the checkbook written. I'm thinking, oh, I give a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, I give a hundred bucks. And my wife says, Daryl, I, I think we should give five thousand. <laughs> what? <laughs> Simple imagery, right? What? For me, and that's, I guess I would be like Cain, where my wife would be like Abel. Why do I have that fear? Because I don't even know if I'm ever going to see that five thousand dollars again. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. I'm a, I'm a missionary, and money is, you know, it's, it's not really flowing out the doors. It's not really, you know, uh, filling my bank account. Praise God, got enough to get by, got enough to live. Praise God, He's uh, uh, it's blessed me and, and whatnot. But I'm not rich by any means. So here's the analogy. God, I think we should give $5,000. And I'm like, or, or when we have a, a special guest, I'll, I'll just be totally honest. This is funny, too. Um, we're, we always talk about, how much we should give, and I'm sorry it has to do with money, but it's an offering, right? It's, 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 it boils down plain Jane, saying, uh, plain Jane for us to understand. Uh, we always, me and my wife will always discuss how much we're to give the guest speaker. For instance, we just have Lou. Uh, Lou Engel here, and uh, he, he was with our community, and you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, yeah, we'll be gracious. I'm thinking $2,000, honey. Ah, that seems really good, right? Two grand. He spoke two days. Two hours, maybe. I'm thinking, that's almost $1,000 every time he opened his word. I'm, I'm looking into the back store. That's $1,000 every time for an hour that he spoke. I mean, you can't even, that's good money, right? Hey, Abe knows what I'm talking about. And my wife, graciously, and, and, and I always cringe because I always know her offering is going to be, we're going we're gonna to be here. This is the way it's going to be. And she says, Daryl, I think we're to give $5,000. I'm like, breaking it down into my mind. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, but fear sets in. Concern about giving the Lord my best. Where my wife, in a sense, when it comes to money, is unhindered. She's, 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 she's got no, uh, you know, she's got no govern, governor. It's not that she goes and spends and, and just... 
lavishes herself with all these. But when it comes to giving to the kingdom of God, her offering will always be here while mine will always be there. And I found that over the days, over the years that we've been married, it's because I have extreme fear that, that the Lord can't double that or can't take care of that uh, withdrawal that we gave or that offering that we gave. And usually, that's what it comes down to from the, the degrees of giving our best and just giving some. And unfortunately, this is the only analogy that we have close to uh, or what we can look at through this, um, these passages of scriptures that was really the ultimate difference between what Cain gave and what Abel gave. Now let's turn real quick, and hopefully this will uh, strengthen my points about fear. I'm sorry. Let me just find this here. I'm not going to apologize for that, actually. <laughs> okay, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. We're all so familiar with this verse. I'm sure we are. Verse 4, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous, he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by the example of his faith. So here we have another tidbit of of, of understanding of why God accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. It was because of his faith. And the analogy that I gave you about my offering and the way I want to bless people simply, I think, boils down to our faith. That are we providing, in this sense, finances, are we providing for ourselves? Or is God providing for us? When I write a check out that maybe is the sum total of my savings account for to bless somebody? Am I fearful that I may not get that money back? Or am I confident that God can meet every need over and abundantly? I'm sorry to break it down to money. You're probably thinking, oh God, he's going to take the offering next time. I am pretty soon. But uh, that's not why I said it. It's pretty much just a, a simple analogy to uh, this acceptable... Um, uh, this uh, this acceptable or this this way that God looks at something that we give Him and He approves of it and He accepts it. It's because we are operating out of faith and not fear. And I believe that's why Cain gave some. Why Abel gave the best. I don't think that Cain had some kind of demonic spirit at work in him. And he was, and you know, I think he was hiding and fearful and saying, I can't give him the best. I need the best for this, or I need the best for my family, or I need the best for my... whatever. You know, he was... We all know how this works. Sometimes we look out for ourselves more than we look out for the benefits of others. Sometimes we're more concerned about what we need than what others need. And it likens... It's the same thing when it comes to how we relate to God. Sometimes we're more concerned about our own houses looking... Uh, uh, posh and, and dressed up while the house of the Lord lays in ruins more than one way. Mm. Uh, mm. Striking the Western mindset, sorry. Okay. Amen. Uh, listen, I'm there. I find that it's better that I put myself as the example so that 
It takes a little bit of the pressure off the condemnation, maybe, that you feel in your heart. But I'm there. I myself sometimes worry about my white picket fence in my lawn being cut the right way, more than I like really coming to the house of God and making sure that things are alive, things are clean, things are going, worship is strong, the message is being preached. I sometimes value my home life or my, my, my own home being more in order and more lively than the house of God, why it lies in ruins. And, 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 and so forth, I think this is why we see uh, Abel giving some. Man, you're awful quiet. Good. You're saying, preacher, man, you're ma- making any sense. I think I'm making total sense. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> All right. We're winding down. I know what you're saying. So soon, well, the sun's out. We want to get some vitamin D in our bones. <laughs> Praise God. So it was by faith that Abel gave his offering. And that God found it more acceptable. Let's turn back to Romans 12. If you close your Bibles, that's okay. We'll pray for you later. You got way too excited. Remember when the preacher says he's almost done. That means nothing. I'm just joking. That's a corny old school joke that every preacher uses. I I swear if if I'm going to be done, I'm going to be done. I don't want to get too much into this. And we all uh, know... Because of, there's so many scriptures that talks about the way we think and God wanting to renew or transform our, our mind. Let's go to verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Simple. Listen, don't copy it. Don't be like the world. When you have came to know Christ or accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has called you out of the world and placed you into His kingdom. There's no need. There's no need to, to, to look, to act, to talk, to be like the world. Amen? Amen. So don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you, hallelujah, into a new person by changing the way you what? Dress, the way you speak, the way you walk, the way you talk. Well, hopefully by changing the way you think, He changes all of those things. But He says by changing the way you think. I think that is... So powerful, because so much starts here. So much starts in our thoughts that, man, our thoughts are scary if they're not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Even Christians, they're just, I'm one of them. (laughs) And sometimes I sit back at my thoughts, I'm just like, how did those get there? I think, what is that? In, 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 in. It's the grace of God that He would come and transform our minds. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Changes us into a new person by changing the way we think. You know, some of us, man, we're slaves to our own mind. We're slaves to our own imaginations. And we're, we're like... You know, thank God for grace, but we are like an emotional basket case, an emotional roller coaster. We are more led by our thoughts than we are by our spirits. Mm-hmm. And God wants to wants to set that right. I don't know if He can ever set it right. Ultimately, I've been on this track for years of 
constantly ask the Lord, renew my mind. Change the way I think about situations and circumstances. I've yet to come into it. Listen, it's a real thing. It's, it's a powerful thing. And it just doesn't happen overnight. But that does not mean that God doesn't want to do it. That does not mean that God does not want to transform your mind. He does not want you to become a prisoner to your own thought life. Amen? It's not that we disregard the power of our mind. Obviously, God gave it to us. He wants us to use it. But it's so powerful that if it's not renewed or transformed by His presence, by His Word, then man, it can be, it can be a wreck. It can be a wreck. Living from high to low, high to low. Experience church to church. Relationship to relationship. Amen? But God wants to transform the way we think. It's good stuff. So where am I going with all this? I'm glad you asked, Steve. <coughs> Just trying to keep him up here. That's all. <laughs> Three things. And I hit them all. Give your bodies to God as a holy and living sacrifice. One. <laughs> Trying to find that <laughs> Make sure your offerings are brought about by faith, not fear. And three, let God transform you by changing the way you think. Simple, right? Mm -hmm. Simple. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat>